This is my conversation with Chris Karen, CEO at Turnin' In, and John Knifik, CEO at Wiser, two EdTech CEOs talking about what it's going to be like selling into the higher education market on the other side of this. This is the Knowledge Leaders Podcast with Todd Hand. John and Chris, thanks for joining me today. Chris, I want to get your take. And, and by the way, it is Thursday, May 14th. I keep giving those timestamp dates because we're still in the middle of the lockdown and there's a lot we don't know. So if you're listening to this 30 days from now, you obviously know more than we do on May 14th. Chris, what's it like being an ed tech CEO selling into higher ed during this crisis? It's very different in a, in a very quick way from where things were a few months ago. First of all, our company, like a lot of software companies, is able to go virtual internally without a lot of hiccups. So we haven't had to go through any sort of delays to re-engage with our market because of the shift to remote work. That happened pretty quickly. We, we did see all kinds of conversations, whether it's renewing business, doing training, talking about a, a new customer adoption, grind to a screeching halt when, um, when schools closed as people focused on how do I set up operations, either using things I've planned in the past or more often scrambling to figure out ways to put classes online. We saw a, a kind of gradual return to halfway of a normal state fairly quickly, actually. So I'd say now level of customer engagement around existing relationships as, is as strong as it's ever been, whether it's training, deployment, renewing business, that feels back to normal in a, in a very quick way. Uh, and, and just a reminder, we're quite global. So it varies a bit, but, and I'm focusing mostly, I guess, in this commentary on the U.S., which I think kind of froze the fastest and is unfreezing the quickest as well. A lot more loyalty to existing technologies. I think the average educator is being bombarded with dozens of inbound offers for free technology to help them do X, Y, or Z online better than they have. And they're, they're, many are actually upset with how much inbound spam they're getting. So we're being careful not to do that. We're finding, though, that as classes go online, our software and a lot of software gets used more, so it's more highly valued. The part that's slower still is engaging with new customer adoptions, and that's totally understandable. So we've gotten out of sell mode, and we're going to stay out of sell mode unless customers reach, prospects reach out to us this year. And we've actually opted to give out a lot of our solutions for free through the calendar year just to help schools without the budget go online and stay, uh, stay open for business and have as high a quality of a student experience as possible. John, in some ways, Wiser is where Turnitin was 12 years ago. Small, growing, lots of potential, great write-up in Forbes recently. Your company may be at the right time at the right place. Definitely. Yeah. If you grind and focus long enough, you might find yourself in the right time and right place, right? We are, I would say, definitely kind of on the other uh, side of the spectrum in that we were six full-time when COVID first hit. By kind of explaining to the audience, right time, right place, we offer a, a digital community solution and uh, that essentially connects current students with advisors and mentors within the university. About six months before COVID, we executed our first pilot of using the technology to increase enrollment at universities by connecting prospective and recently admitted students with trained current student mentors, the idea that an authentic conversation with a peer is a much stronger selling technique than getting these sort of general broadcast emails from 
admissions counselors. And so we, and, and to further boot operationally, we had actually decided to take the team fully remote in January, absolutely naive to what was, what was coming in the next few months. Not that it would have been particularly hard to take six people remote, but anyways, so we were basically sitting there with a solution that was exactly what admissions teams needed and needed urgently. So as soon as college shutdown orders happened, we were really lucky to have gotten a huge promotion from the University of Chicago. They're one of our development partners. Their VP of enrollment essentially put out a notice to around 300 universities in a giant listserv and said, if you're struggling with your yield events that were just canceled, you need to look to Wiser. We booked 30 university new implementations within the following 30 days. And our team of six essentially pulled all-nighters <laughs> for that entire month. We, got, we took our implementation time down from 60 days to nine days in that window of time. And we managed to hire uh, 10 new people in that window too, all starting virtually. So what was fascinating for us is it's right time, right place, but um, a really good advisor of mine has said that don't get crushed by your own success. And so trying to time those new hires, being careful not to overhire, right? Is this temporary or is this going to be sustained? Is this a new normal from a buyer cycle standpoint? So we've been very cautious in that we've actually maintained uh, the company extremely close to profitability through that boon so that we sort of reserve some elasticity to kind of throttle into it harder if we need to, but also not find ourselves in three months on the other side of a, a challenge if more budget freezes happen and those sorts of things. Yeah, I, I'm, I think the two questions that, that we talk most about internally and talk most about with our customers is, one, how long will they have to stay online? And we recently had you know Cal, the Cal State system announced they're going to open up for the fall term digitally, which uh, I was thinking was going to be less likely than 50% in a, on average. So can we reopen to get back to some sense of new normal as a university or, or a college? And secondly, what's going to happen to my enrollments? Because way more graduating seniors from high school are going to take gap years and wait out COVID. Some uh, students can't return to pay tuition because of financial hardship. They can't find a job to pay, to pay the college bills. And um, international students, um, you know, in, in some universities' cases, are a third or more of the student body um, aren't going to be able to return to class after the summer in many cases as well. So um, we foresee back, back to uh, the, the point just made, like how do I do my best with enro enrollment is being critical because uh, it, it's determining the, the viability of many universities. Um, I mean, the budget shortfalls that, that I looked at a McKinsey report recently, they predict are, are massive for majority of universities for at least a couple of years. Um, that impacts obviously their ability to operate you know, there already are small liberal arts schools uh, that have struggled to stay in business. I think the rate of colleges failing is going to accelerate dramatically. The students will still show up in the system, but they'll show up at the healthy, larger programs like an ASU or, or UC Berkeley. But there'll be a lot of schools going out of business. I think with the move to online for at least another semester in many cases, there'll be questioning of is college worth it? Is, is, are these tuition levels commensurate with the quality of education I'm getting. So I think there'll be more skepticism on the, the, the value of a college degree. I hope that all comes to pass. I'm confident it will, but it's gonna be a very rocky couple of years, not just a couple of months for making ends meet financially for universities, 
you know, getting students confident to return to school and restoring faith in the quality of the traditional higher ed experience. I think it's going to be, it's going to be a rough couple of years ahead of us. I was disappointed when the the California state university system made that announcement. I I think that the schools need to reopen and we we need to figure this out that we, we can't continue to shelter. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I agree with you for what it's worth. Uh, I don't think we should encourage 50,000 kids to get in a football stadium to watch college football or maybe to crowd into a 500 person lecture hall, but certainly reopening for business, opening dorms, trying to get back to normal for K-12. It's a must have for the economy to restart. And for higher ed, I, I, I tend to agree with you as well. Those points are really well made. I was just going to comment on the smaller rural private schools, those that are expensive and sometimes have trouble recruiting kind of being gonna I, I do think we're gonna see a lot of closures and I've I, I certainly won't name names but I've heard from some of the admissions folks we work with just I mean this just makes sense right strategically if an elite private is having issues recruiting they can dip into an elite public if an elite public is having trouble recruiting they can dip into the pool of a, of a mid-sized public but someone's going to be at the short end of that stick as people kind of restructure their financial aid packages down. And we have even seen from a sales standpoint that the better resourced schools who are most able to recover from this already are also the ones that were more ready to go virtual faster. So it almost has a a more accelerated concept. It's the fast forward button is what yeah, I'm saying. Agreed. Those with the good budgets and with plans may get hit, but they're going to be ready in the way that they're readying themselves for the future. Some of the less fortunate schools weren't ready for the fast forward button to get hit on being ready for these strategies. Agreed. And, and I think it's just like looking at our company, we, we debated for a long time, should we have more flexibility on work from home or hiring remote people versus in expensive city centers? And this is going to totally reset our company footprint to be way more virtual with much less office space and a much more, um, we'll recruit the best wherever they are versus if need to be in, our, in an office we have. So it's going to be like a, a, a um, strong shift in work from home, work remote for us. I think it'll be a strong shift towards online learning as well, where I think still students will want to go to a physical campus for most of their schooling, but there'll be a lot more courses that they take as part of being a traditional student that are online, maybe from a different program or for, for whatever reason. So I think even when schools fully reopen and campuses are back to somewhat of a normal, there'll be a lot more online learning in, in the new world we're going to find ourselves in, in in a year or two's time. What's the market worried about? Your clients at higher education institutions, what do they tell you they're most concerned, most focused on? And have you heard anything that surprises you? For, for me, it's been enrollments, like getting, making sure the class size is coming back next year is as strong as, as, as possible. Students to return and new students to start. And secondly, ensuring a high quality student experience so that the, the, pr- the price of attending a, a university and getting a degree is commensurate with the quality of education and the quality of experience a student has, which has been lampooned by a lot of students I've talked to for these schools that had to go online really quickly. You can't pay $80,000 tuition to go to a top school and have two hours of Zoom and a bunch of eBooks to read. That, that's got to change quickly. So th- those are for me the two things schools are most worried about. I would love to add a bunch more, but I, I couldn't agree more. 
and we're working on the enrollment side, you might be a little closer to the academic core, sort of thinking about what your solution does. But I can say that a lot, there's been a bit of paralysis around a lot of the other student functions, just not knowing how, what the impact will be on class shape and sort of the how this is going to shake out. And you guys, I'm sure, are very familiar with the concept of, of summer melt, someone pays their deposit and ultimately decides not to go. That is such a unknown right now. A lot of people we're talking to have luckily been able to firm up their class, but they aren't sure of the stability of those deposits for that very reason that Chris brought up. If a parent, yeah, and that's been the chatter, right? If a parent says, yeah, we paid our deposit, but am I going to pay, like you said, $80,000, you know, over plus room and board to take this class online for a year? I'd rather do a gap year. Or I'd rather you go to a state school and transfer your credits. So just like the uncertainty around what that next class will look like. And then from there. I remember I, I was back in Singapore many years ago, um, visiting a university customer. And that was after SARS had come and gone without the global flare up we have with, with COVID. And they had a policy post SARS of one, they have a strong infrastructure, always up and running for online classes, even though the campus is open. And they required every student to take at least one online class every term. So they're used to their online learning and have every faculty member have at least one course they teach be online. Just so people are uh, practiced in being on both sides of the online experience. So should the next SARS come up, which it did with COVID, they're prepared. So I think the, 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 the digital readiness of the, at the average university or college around the world is going to go up, even hopefully once we return to somewhat normal operations on campus. It feels like if you're trying to put value on higher education, right, there's obviously, this is everyone's talks about this, is the value of the degree itself. And a lot of that translates to online pretty nicely, or at least it can, but what we sell with uh, American universities and so many of our amazing liberal arts schools and um, our amazing private schools is, is experience, right? Is that experience? So that, and we as a company have been very focused on the enrollment side right now, but we do offer a student success solution that has a lot to do with having a sense of belonging. We, we for the last four years before our big uptick in enrollment, we sold mentorship software. And so a lot of the idea of a student coming into their own and having a sense of belonging through a virtual experience, that is really tough to comprehend, right? Compared to just the raw delivery of curriculum. So we'll wrap up with predictions and they're gonna to be tough ones. The question is, and we'll start with you, John, will we see a lot of colleges following the Cal State University decision? or will that be an outlier come August? I'm gonna go with, I'm gonna go with follow. I think the lie people, people won't want the liability. Nobody, I, I think some institutions, and I think they'll be fine in doing so, will not, will not stay closed and every, you know, they'll be perfectly fine. But I think particularly for institutions with that large campus on campus presence. And like you said, the football stadiums and just trying to separate out how that all works are just going to be afraid to pull the trigger. But again, I, I've been heads down implementing customers. So, you know, what do I know? <laughs> what about you, Chris? 
I guess I, I tend to be a paranoid optimist. So paranoia says it's a real possibility. My optimistic hope is that it's, that's not the case, that Cal State's an outlier. I mean, if you just look over in Asia, there's, there's been a lot of countries, not just China, that have really managed this, this virus down to the background. So if we can just lean into what they're doing and try to do it here, I'm just optimistic we can get back to normal. But it's going to be, it's a, it's a coin toss right now. It's a, it's a great question. We'll know a lot more soon, but I'm hopeful. I think there is a greater than 50% chance there will be college football. Now, it may be without fans. I don't see colleges giving up that revenue stream. If they can figure out a way to get the product on TV, they'd be foregoing a lot of money if they scrapped the college football season. Agreed. And, and then look at the, the players, right? Many of whom hope to be career football players or baseball players. I mean, to, to, to stop it also impacts th those athletes and their athletic careers as well. Um, wh one of my close friends runs the Oakland A's and they're, they're about to, I think, have an MLB season, late start, but play, play, uh, play baseball, but just have the fans at home. So I hope I'm hoping so. college sports can follow. Thanks for coming on. We are big fans of both of you. We're rooting for you and appreciate your insight and in stopping by and talking with me. Thanks, John. And thanks, Todd. Enjoyed it. Thanks, Chris. Todd. We hope you enjoyed this episode and that you'll join us again for the next Knowledge Leaders podcast.